0: welcome to haunting history the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone tales of true crime mystery and the macabre and when we're lucky the stories were true crime history and the paranormal me now who doesn't love a good ghost story right Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. And today we are back with Investigator Bob Taft with the Orange County, California Sheriff's Department. And we were talking about the cold cases that the Sheriff's Department has. And a lot of them, well, not I wouldn't say a lot of them, but there are quite a few that are John and Jane Doe's that are considered cold cases now, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, I was noticing last night, I was on the Orange County Sheriff's Department's website, and there's a coroner department where they have a list of all the John Doe's and then all the Jane Doe's.
1: Yeah, correct. The reason they do that is because the without a definitive link as a homicide case, they fall under the purview of the coroner's department, uh, and they cover all the cases, the John and Joe Cases countywide, not just for the sheriff's department.
0: That list that's on the website; those could be either suicides or accidents. The ones, the list that we're going, we're talking about today, are technically ones that are classified as a homicide.
1: I think, for the most part, I would say yes. I know I work a lot of the John and Joe, John and Jane Doe cases that are not specifically homicide, just to try and see if we can identify them. And but, I guess but just for the sheriff's department cases, not for outside agency cases. And then for
0: I had a question. With DNA being as um, advanced as it is, what warrants taking one of those John and Jane Does that is are listed for the coroner's department and just doing a regular DNA run on them and see if they find any matches? Do you only do that if something comes forward that They might be a relative of someone, or do you just genetic, just generally do it on all of them, or you don't?
1: Well, it's it's multifaceted because for the most part, all of the John and Jane Doe cases have what they call CODIS DNA profiles, which is individualized identifications. However, they're uploaded into the missing person index of CODIS. And normally what will happen is that family members, if they are looking for a loved one, they will upload their individual DNA and run it against the unknown subject DNA database.
0: Um, So they're not just taking their DNA, just like, say, just one person, and running their DNA to find a genetic match and then notifying the family. It's reversed, right?
1: It, well, it could, a lot of times... Because you have to get family members to enter their DNA into the database. And that's all done voluntarily. Um, or what law enforcement may do is they may suspect it may be this individual, and then they'll go out and collect DNA from a family member and then do a basically a familial search. Um, but again, we're talking apples and oranges when we're talking CODIS DNA versus snips or genealogy dna they're two completely different samples
0: prompts them to actually do the 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 familial match
1: you're talking genealogy or yeah uh because genealogy uh there's a cost associated with that it's not uh most of the crime labs do not process dna for genealogy uh you have to go to outside independent labs and there's costs associated with that so they don't Routinely do that.
0: Okay. Okay. That's what my question was. Is like they could basically clear their backlog if they just ran all of them. You know what I mean? Like did it for every single John or Jane Doe that you have, but you don't do it unless you have a reason to do it.
1: Well, I think the end goal is to do genealogy on all of them. That that's you know that that would be the end state. Uh, unfortunately, we're kind of in the beginning stages of it uh, to try and get that accomplished.
0: You, um, we've never talked about this before, but you're you have training in genealogy and family trees and genetic genealogy, also. Uh, I
1: have a little bit, yes. I'm certainly not an expert in it, but um, I, I have worked genealogy cases before, yes.
0: And then we've talked about it before, like where I've said, okay, I'll do it for you, but there's actual laws and regulations regarding genealogy, like who can do it for. A sheriff's department, or for an investigation, or for a missing person, because it has to have a level of of forensic genealogy.
1: You have to be, you have to be accredited and have a certain level of expertise. Uh, But primarily, the thing is to be able to testify in court regarding your results. That's the big thing.
0: Okay, because the accreditation for genealogy is kind of crap. Just FYI,
1: it's. It, it kind of runs the full gambit. I mean, some people can take a single course and say, "Yes, I'm accredited," and then there actually is an accre- official accreditation forensic genealogy program out there. But th- my understanding is that training is pretty extensive. Well, it, it,
0: it's just a, a, the actual accreditation to become a certified genealogy is so arbitrary. Like they, you, you like do research on a particular person or whatever? And then three people evaluate whether you are worthy of an accreditation. So to me, it's very arbitrary. It's not like when you become a lawyer and you take this very specific test or a doctor Indian chief, like I feel like the accreditation for genealogy needs to be streamlined and done less arbitrary to me. Cause I've always looked at it. I felt like, like I've taken genealogy classes. I've been doing genealogy for 25 years. I feel like I'm an expert at it. I feel like I can build trees backwards or forwards or whatever. I I know that um, CC Moore calls it building it forwards. I always call it going back. It feels going backwards to me. But um, I feel like to, I had actually started the courses to become accredited. And then I was like, I, I don't like it. Like I'm not proud of it. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like I don't like how it's done. I feel like there's a better way to become an accredited genealogist than, than the format or the idea of how we do it now.
1: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't started the process to become certified, but I know that, you know, obviously there's genealogical standards and principles in order to be right. accredited, you have to perform to the level of that standard. Of
0: those, yeah, those standards. Which that book? I just got that book again. I feel like I get it every time a new edition of it comes out. I just feel like the decision making, like the, it's not like a test. Like to me, it doesn't feel like a test where it's very clear cut when you become when you become certified in almost anything else. And I always use a lawyer as an example. It's a very clear cut questions and answers. Where I feel like the accreditation for genealogy is not like that. It's it's more like you have to hit all these points as opposed to yes and no on a quiz.
1: Well, i think and this is just me speculating, it may come to that level now that genealogy has become very prevalent in law enforcement, they may have some sort of testing standard in order to be accredited because prior to there was no there was no legal requirement for accreditation if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So you're saying there's still hope for me to be able to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's always hope.
0: There's always hope. Okay. So let's get into this. Um, the first one, let me see. I kind of scrolled away from it. And I'm just going to read the date. Right. Okay. So I'm going to, it's a John Doe. Uh, the date is 4 78 male, white, 20 to 30 years old. On four fourteen seventy-eight, a body was found just off Brea Canyon Road, approximately one half mile south of Tonner Canyon. Weird that that would be the first one after this whole carry thing. Correct. This is a somewhat remote area off an oil lease property. The body is that of a male white, approximately twenty to thirty years old, who suffered gunshot wounds. It is unknown if this subject had been slain at the location. Death occurred two to four weeks prior to the to the discovery. By an oil field worker. Due to decompensation, identification of the subject is more difficult. So, weird, how far do you know how far this body was found from where Carrie's
1: body was found? I don't, but it, it seems like that particular area is because at the time, obviously, it was a remote location and it's it was close to the 57 freeway that it, it was an easy location to dispose of bodies.
0: It's kind of like how we talk about um, Santa Ana Canyon Road, too.
1: Correct. Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, so what else do you know about this John Doe?
1: I don't know anything about that one.
0: That one is, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that was a good one for me to start on. (laughs) That's a good one for you to start on. Okay, so we'll. I haven't worked that one.
0: Interesting, 1978. See, that was only two years before Carrie. The body was found near where Carrie's body was found. So maybe there's a reason why I picked this one first. That's kind of weird. Um, Okay, so and that one is if anyone has a missing family member or a missing loved one from that was 20 to 30 years old that's been missing since 1978 and um uh clearly might have been mixed in with the wrong people to have died of gunshot wounds someone went to the trouble to, to take his body to another location yes so um okay so the second one is it's actually um so 1978 also John Doe 62778 male race unknown, possibly Mexican or Oriental. Are we allowed to use that word anymore?
1: Uh I I think the correct term is Asian nowadays, but yeah, I
0: did that's weird. I don't know that I've seen that word written. I apologize to anybody I was reading, not not using the verbiage myself. 25 to 30 years old, 5'7", hundred and forty-five pounds, long black hair. So clearly this one was found. Um, less decomposed than the last one. Subject found fully clothed in an orange grove near Ge- Jeffrey and Tribuco Roads in Irvine area. He was found by field workers clothed in a white knit shirt with blue and green horizontal stripes, tan double knit trousers, blue canvas shoes, and light blue socks. Cause of death is penetrating wounds to the neck. What does that mean?
1: He was stabbed.
0: Appeared to have been dumped three to seven days prior to discovery.
1: I I don't know that case specifically, if it's the one I'm thinking of, and I can roll back the clock a little bit. Obviously, there were orange groves throughout Orange County uh, at that time.
0: Particularly that area, I mean, that's the Irvine Company Correct. property, right?
1: And I know they had a lot of uh, migrant workers, obviously working the fields, and they would set up, for lack of a better term, almost little shanty towns uh, as they went from one location to the next. Um, harvesting the the oranges and again i'm not sure if it's this particular case but i know we've worked a couple cases where that these individuals were were robbed of their of their paychecks uh, at these locations uh-huh. and, the, and the bodies were dumped in the uh, were dumped in the orange groves uh, unfortunately i don't have any specifics on this one uh, it's not one of the ones we're currently working genealogy on so unfortunately, I don't have a lot of history on that
0: one. Um, it sounds like he was dressed nicely, though. He doesn't sound like he was necessarily dressed to be harvesting
1: oranges. Correct, and and again, that's just my assumption. Uh, a lot of times, may, they may have lived in the local area but still worked the orange groves, or you know, he could have been out totally unrelated to to uh, working the migrant worker aspect of it. He could have been out somewhere out and about and unfortunately met his demise and they just dumped the body in the in the orange groves
0: here's another one the next one is john doe 5 1 1980 male negro 17 to 23 years old 5 8 to 5'10, 180 pounds i'm so fascinated how when they find skeletal remains that they know that someone weighed 180 pounds
1: again not my area of expertise but the the anthropological analysis that these people do it is pretty amazing just based on the on the the condition of the bones and also the attachment points for the muscles and tendons of the bones they're able to tell roughly their stature oh, yeah so i i i I think that's pretty amazing that they were able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's crazy because it says skeletal remains found by oil field workers in Brea Canyon. Now we're back down to near where Tonner Canyon is. Correct. subject was wearing gray cords, brown and white striped shirt, blue suede shoes. Cause of death was a gunshot wound to the head. Time of death estimated between within the last 12 months.
1: Yeah, I, actually, we just started working on this one. This is one of the ones that we've added to the to the genealogical query that we are attempting to do genealogy on. Not much is known about this individual. I had been going through the file and there were a couple names associated with who they thought this individual may be. Uh, unfortunately, there was no nothing in the file that led to the resolution of either yes it was this person or no it wasn't this person uh, I know they have a couple x-ray uh, dental x-rays in there as well yeah but nothing regarding whether they compare they even did a comparison between the dental records of this individual and who they suspected it may be so that's one of the angles I'm pursuing as well
0: so uh, I'm curious why do the dna on this one like what what is prompting you because you might have names that's why you're doing it
1: Correct. Yes. And and the other thing is a lot of times these cases are brought to my attention. I can't specifically re- recall why this one was brought to my attention, but uh, in going through the file and, and looking at it, um, if it looks like it's a good candidate for, for genealogy, then I will add it to the query. This one was, like I said, it was recently brought to my attention. So that's why we're actually looking at it and focusing on it now we had talked about trying to do a forensic sketch uh, as well on this individual unfortunately you know due to the gunshot of the or to the placement of the gunshot wound uh there wasn't we won't be able to do uh, a sketch on this individual was gunshot wound. to the face
0: oh so i'm so it's so strange to me too that's the same thing of like being able to determine someone's weight It's the same thing with like the forensic sketches. Like how do they create a face out of a skeleton? Like that seems so odd to me. I mean, I know they do it all the time. It just seems so impossible. Um,
1: I've talked to a couple of people that have done this. And for the most part, my understanding of it is that there's a certain range of of thickness to the tissues on the face based on the underlying structures of the skull. So they will make... Essentially, waypoints like tissue at this location is about this thick, and so forth. So they'll start out with those waypoints, uh, and then they'll just kind of mesh that all to together to give a uh, what they believe to be a likeness of it. But again, it's a it's an art. These these people have a a special skill set that are able to do that.
0: Um, it's so sad that he was only seventeen to twenty three. I mean. Someone, he has a mom, he has a dad. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, how is someone missing for 42 years that potentially was only 17 years old? Why didn't anyone report him missing? That's
1: uh, they may have, they may not have. Um, there could be, they they could have been from out of the area. Um, so
0: they could be in a database somewhere and they're just not being connected yet.
1: Correct, absolutely.
0: Okay, so our next one is John Doe. October 22nd, 1980 again, male adult burnt skeletal remains. Oh, we talked about this one and I kind of want you to, I want to do, you and I talked about it. So I'm just, I think we, I could have skipped it, but I'm not going to okay. um, male adult burnt skeletal remains found in a Brown grocery bag in area of 91 freeway and gypsum Canyon road, Santa Ana Canyon. Now this is, we're going to where Dorothy Scott was found. Apparently there's like three dumping grounds, in Southern California, it's, <laughs> it's Tonner Canyon, Santa Ana Canyon, and then Irvine, like the Irvine Company property, which is, I'm sorry, Irvine Company, you're multi, multi-billionaires. Um, but that, it seems like a lot of these run those areas. Remains are fragments of skull, hands, arms, and feet. Saw marks were found on some bone fragments, victims still unidentified. Now you all have a, a theory of what
1: this is. Yes, and and I I can't take credit for this. Uh, I know one of the um, technicians at the coroner's office uh, actually brought this to my attention. But uh, my understanding is that when a body is processed for embalming, that they will, or, you know, prep for a funeral, they will put... Filler material into the body cavity so that way, when it's it's in the casket for viewing, that it doesn't look depressed or sunken uh, due to the to the autopsy. So they, they were putting a certain material inside the body cavity to to fill it up. When that body is cremated, that material melts or hardens or transitions into. Kind of a harder crystalline type substance uh which obviously i was unaware of but this particular individual had worked at a mortuary and a cremation facility so they were well aware of that well when we started analyzing these remains this individual said oh it looks like these essentially they look like small rocks it looks like hey this is looks like the filler material after you after a body's been cremated so These could actually be cremains that were simply disposed of on the side of the road. Because in in further analysis, there was evidence of of, uh, burnt wood and lumber. There was uh, screws. uh, So would there be screws
0: in a crematorium?
1: uh, There could be. It, it, It all depends on how long it was burned, how if they had right. metal plates, I, I guess the time frame that had been inside the the crematorium. So there's 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 a possibility that you know a lot of things can remain. So to to me, in in talking with this individual, uh, it could have been that these remains were of someone that had been cremated in a casket. And then for whatever reason, uh, they decided that you don't want to hold on to this individual anymore. So they just put them in a brown paper bag and dumped them on the side of the road. Oh, uh, so,
0: so that's like, it's like when people keep the remains of their loved ones and then ultimately they pass on. Correct. And at some point it reaches a person who didn't even know these people. Yes, so absolutely. I mean, it could have been something even from way back, like someone who passed away back in the nineteen twenties or even earlier and it's gotten down to like the third or fourth great grandchildren. They're like, we don't even know who that is anymore. Correct. And so they're just like, let's just not bury the urn or whatever. We'll just, you know, dump it on the side of the road. That's sad. That's sad. Yes. But that's why I know this is going to sound so shallow and not related to a human being, but when my, my dog passed away, my, the love of my life, they had asked if I wanted his cremated remains and I said, no. And it seems so s- weird to say this, but I didn't want for ultimately like me to take it around with me for, you know, 70 years and then it be left to my kids. And what are they going to do with it? Like, or right. their kids and be like, I didn't even know that dog. Why are we, why do we still have our buckles remains on my fireplace? Do you know what yes. I mean? So, I, I know it's not related to a human being someone discarded so terribly of a human being, but that's but why is the same,
1: I mean, it's the same mindset.
0: Yeah. It's sad. Okay. So, um, well, you know, if anybody knows of anyone who somehow are missing someone's remains, great uncle John or something, um, the Orange County Sheriff's Department might have them. Uh, the next one. And you know what I did notice? I thought this was really weird when I was looking at the website last night, which again, in several of them, they actually have photographs of the deceased person. Yes. Like, I wasn't prepared for that. Like the drawings I'm okay with, but I was scrolling through and like the third one, I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> that's an actual photograph of a, a dead person. I was kind of shocked by that, but the, I think I was really shocked by, is there are so many more men, John Doe's, than there are Jane Doe's?
1: Um, yes. Uh, and again, the thing is, is that not all those individuals suffered an untimely demise. Uh, I think there were some that uh, had wound up at medical facilities or yeah. just... Nobody ever claimed them, and they don't know who they are. So,
0: it's just why so many more men than women, though. Um, no theory.
1: That I don't know. I could, I mean, I guess I can speculate that you know, perhaps men
0: tend to take off are more apt to earth.
1: live kind of a transient lifestyle than women are but yeah. that's just me talking out loud so that
0: was that was my theory too i was just kind of shocked by it because the list of men is far longer than the list of um, jane does i thought that was kind of weird okay so this one I, I believe this one is a solved case oh not solved but you've determined who it was um jane doe 830 1987 female white 15 to 19 five, one to 54 Slight build, long blonde hair. The victim's skeletal remains were found in the rough hilly area near Gypsum Canyon Road and Santa Ana Canyon Road. Again, we're back at Santa Ana Canyon Road. In Anaheim Hills, the remains were found about 100 feet off the road by a hiker on 8-30-1987. Teeth in poor condition with numerous cavities, a chip on the upper left front tooth. Possible cause of death is a stab wound. Possible, right? The skeleton was estimated to have been there for two weeks to two months at the time of discovery. The victim still remains a Jane Doe. That's not true, is it?
1: That is not true, no. We, okay, we've so you have a her. name. Yes, absolutely. This was probably the first, my first cold case that uh, I worked extensively. Um, and yes, she was identified as Tracy Corrine Hobson. And we identified her through genealogy.
0: Was it because someone was looking for her or?
1: No, no, we actually, uh, we actually hired a, uh, independent company because I first started working this case probably in late 2016, 2017. So genealogy was in its infancy. And this one was a little unique because when I first started working it, it was right after GSK, um, was arrested?
0: The Golden State Killer.
1: Correct. So uh, the genealogy aspect in the public was brand new. So I actually had to receive authorization from our district attorney's office to even conduct genealogy uh, to try and get her identified.
0: Was that because of how young she was? Is that one of the reasons why? Or because you thought it might be associated with the, the Golden State Killer?
1: I think what it was is that I. When I first started doing cold cases, basically, we just had a, a big open room with case files on the wall. So like you've gone through and you've, you've read kind of the, the case synopsis, I would go through and read the case synopsis and say, hey, would this be a a good case to work? And I knew because I had previously worked on the GSK Task Force and was familiar with genealogy that this, I felt, would be a good genealogy case to pursue
0: determined who she what you just you gave her her name back
1: correct we absolutely did
0: but this is an unsolved case
1: it is still an unsolved case yes and what was her name again tracy corinne hobson
0: oh you did roll you did you rule out the golden state killer in this case
1: uh we did rule okay. out the golden state killer on this case uh the
0: next one another jane doe um Five fourteen nineteen eighty nine, 1989 female, white, adult, 25 to 35, 5'2", 158 pounds, blonde hair. The victim's clothed body was found alongside Pacific Coast Highway, just south of Corona Del Mar Newport Beach area. Okay, so this is a little off the beaten path for where we normally find bodies. Um, Correct, yes. The victim had been severely beaten and strangled. The victim had died within 12 hours of discovery. That's a short amount of time for you. Like it's usually a lot longer. That was only 12 hours. That's crazy.
1: She was a, she was a freshly dumped. Yes. Is this
0: a soft case or still?
1: It is not, but uh, this is a, one of the cases that my former partner had been working. So I'm somewhat familiar with it. And again, this is one of the ones that we're thinking about doing genealogy on.
0: I'm just interested in the story just because, um, I mean, I love I would love to tell a story where we can follow along with the genealogy because right. I think to me that's a good reason for people to do their DNA and stuff. Absolutely. Find out if they're like I, to me this would be let's let's ask for permission to do that story. Can we do that? Sure. Because I think it would be beneficial for people to hear a story as it starts and then um does, goes through the genealogy process. I think it shows people like what how they can participate in helping people get their names back? Do you right. know? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to do this one. I want to. I can you ask,
1: pretty please?
0: Yes. Do you want me to circle it and send it to you? Uh,
1: no, it's know. the.
0: I know it's a You know what I'm talking Florida about. Del
1: Mar, yeah.
0: Okay, let's do um one more. Okay. I was hoping to come across a nether Jane Doe, but this is a John Doe. John Doe, male, Hispanic or Asian adult, twenty-five to 35, thirty-five, five one to 5'4". One hundred and ten to one hundred and forty pounds. That's a that's a major difference. Um, the victim's dece- decomposed body was found alongside. Jeez, Santa Ana Canyon Road, mm-hmm. near, Irvine. near Irvine, near Lake. Yeah, this one was in yeah. Santa Ana Canyon Road. Doesn't Santiago? I said it wrong. That's why. Well, Santa Ana Canyon Road doesn't go to Irvine. This is Santiago Canyon Road. Correct. Um, the victim's decomposed, clothed body was found alongside of Santiago Canyon Road near Irvine Lake. He had been bludgeoned to death with a large rock at the scene. At the scene. Yes. Is this one that you're working on?
1: Uh, Not one that I'm working on. I know I'm familiar with this case because it was, again, one of the first ones where they actually did a reconstruction of the skull to give a a likeness of. Okay, so Uh,
0: if, if you can do that on... This one, I mean, he was bludgeoned to death. This is different than one—the gunshot wound that you were talking about. Correct. Yes. This wasn't to the the face. This was to the head.
1: Yeah, correct. And I think this was an older. The estimate is that he's an older male Hispanic,
0: as opposed to 25 to 35.
1: Uh, I would say probably on the upper end, probably 35 to 45, at least looking at the, looking at the facial reconstruction that they did.
0: Okay, so this is in Santiago Canyon Road near Irvine Lake. Um, So they think like he got in a fight or something. Like then, right there, like correct, happened there. No more information on this case other than that.
1: No, that's no. We haven't. uh, I haven't delved into that one.
0: Okay. Well then, sorry. I'm going to do one more then. Um, (laughs) This one, I believe that you you. This is a solved one.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Uh, infant Doe. Like, my stomach literally... Like, I have a physical reaction to these things. October 18th, 1990, male white newborn. On 10, 1880, at 8.45 hours, the body of a newly born infant was found in a metal trash bin behind the commercial buildings on Cabot Road, Mission Viejo. The infant had been wrapped in a white bed sheet and placed in a... Ah, uh, JCPenney's plastic bag.
1: Yes, I I know this one... Intimately,
0: okay. But he, you, you got, you found a name.
1: You got. We did. We did. Uh Through a fingerprint on the J.C. Penny bag.
0: Wow. So this case is is technically solved, but it's not. It's solved, like you know who the baby is, but no one's been held accountable yet.
1: Correct, because it. Could not be determined beyond a medical certainty whether the uh, child passed as a result of a som- homicidal act or from natural occurrence.
0: But isn't there some kind of – it's a, it's still against the law to throw a, a body away.
1: Correct, but we're well beyond the statute of limitations. It's only a misdemeanor.
0: Wait, there's a oh, – hold on. There is a statute of limitations – on throwing a baby away
1: on disposing of a corpse
0: oh, hold on there's a statute of limitations on disposing of a
1: corpse yes it's a it's only a misdemeanor it's a year
0: so like if you didn't have anything to do with someone's death, but you came across a body and you dumped it and then waited how many years a year and. Ugh, yeah. And then you're just, that's okay. It's just, a- how is, how is disposing of a corpse only a misdemeanor? I
1: it's up to the legislation, I'm afraid.
0: I mean, like, what are the loopholes in that? Like, in what instance do you innocently have a corpse?
1: Yeah, I just know that uh, disposing, you know, unlawful disposing of a corpse is a, is a, is a misdemeanor.
0: I'm, I, I guess I'm just so confused at what.
1: The only thing would- that would, would change that is if they were actually a homicide victim.
0: So, okay. Okay. So then those are the parameters. If someone dies of, okay, I'm just trying to make this right in my brain. If someone dies of natural causes and you dispose of the body in any legal fashion, whether it's dumping them on the side of the road or, uh, leaving them on the couch, um, that's, it's only a misdemeanor for the first year. And then after that, it's, you get a
1: I think if they take some sort of overt act to dispose of the body, then yes, to assist in the disposal. And the, the thing about this baby case is that it was originally ruled a homicide. That's why I pursued it the way I did. And then when it was reviewed again by the current medical establishment, they're like, eh, I can't confirm that this was a homicide. It could have actually been a natural death. So that's what threw everything into uh, a frenzy.
0: Okay. When did they start the new law that um where you can drop off a newborn baby at a fire station or
1: oh that's been around for a long time.
0: Since before that baby was found?
1: Yes, absolutely, I think.
0: Okay, so will you still have probably eight more of these um John and Jane Does in your your realm, like your office where you have all your cold cases that are still considered cold cases, right?
1: Correct, yes. That's a
0: lot. I really, really, really want to go back and do a story on the one that you're, the Corona Delmore. We'll call yeah. her.
1: I'd have to, I'll have to pull a file on that one.
0: Do you, um? do you give names to these John and Jane Does that are different than John and Jane Doe sometimes?
1: Uh, normally, I don't specifically. Um... Sometimes they've been given that name uh, by the internet sleuths that are out there researching the case, like the Tracy Hobson case. Yeah. She was known as Anaheim Jane Doe.
0: Okay. So this would be like Corona Del Mar Jane Doe. Correct. Could be. Yeah. Um, that leads me to another question really quick. You know, like I, I call you all the time and ask you if I'm just some crazy, armchair sure detective and you're like, yeah, you, I don't even have to call you like you are. Um, <laughs> do you, the investigators on cold cases, and I know you can only speak to yourself. Do you guys pay attention to things like Reddit and um, WebSuits and all that stuff when they're talking to, about a case? Do you guys?
1: If you it's guys- a case I'm currently working, I will go look. Uh, but I, I normally don't, I don't peruse those pages looking for cases. If that makes sense. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. Um, but on a case, like on a particular case, do you go like on the Tracy Hobson? Do you go read all the web suits and the the um, like Reddit's and stuff on that subject and see if there's clues or someone has ideas that you hadn't thought about? Do you guys, do investigators do that?
1: I do. I can always speak for myself, but yes, I I will go look and. Uh, and then the other thing too is that you know, a lot of times stuff that's in in the internet world may not exactly match what's in the criminal file.
0: So you can dismiss things really easily sometimes.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: I had someone, it's just like some lady emailed me the other day about um, the Carrie Patterson case and was saying something like, she was describing to me genetic genealogy. And I was like, lady, stop.
1: Yeah. Cause you we know, know, who she is.
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> The people, I, I can see where the internet is full of a lot of baloney. I mean, I get, I get some very useful emails sometimes where people come up with ideas or thoughts that I hadn't thought about. And I, that's amazing. But then I also get the other ones where they're like just telling me something that like, it's something that it's evident, it's very obvious is not. And they're coming up with this theory and they're very, very insistent about it. And I'm, I can't always tell them why they're wrong, but um, I was just curious if you utilize that because the internet is a strong tool.
1: It is. Absolutely internet. it is. And it's it 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 is a team effort. Like I, I I won't dismiss anything until I until I personally disprove it.
0: Okay. So speaking of that before we go, did you listen to the episode on the Wendy Osborne to Carrie Patterson comparison?
1: Uh I listened to most of it. Unfortunately I didn't wasn't able to listen to the whole thing.
0: But you yeah, because you have a job. Um <laughs> That is 24 seven. Do you ag- agree that this is a plausible avenue?
1: Absolutely. I do. Okay. Yes. Good.
0: Okay. I mean, I know, I know how you feel, but I don't know if our listeners do because you and I talk about it all the time, but um, it, there is a, it, it it's not far fetched as far as you're concerned.
1: It It is not because uh, a lot of the elements of Carrie's case match almost identically to the, to either Wendy so, or re, re, regarding these other two young ladies. So yeah. yes, absolutely.
0: Will you be reaching out to anybody further in regards to this? Yes. I don't know that you can tell, say who, but you'll be talking to other people.
1: Correct. No, now this, to... is, this is basically what we call an investigative lead. Now we have to do our due diligence to, to either substantiate the lead or disprove it. Uh, and at least my opinion at, at this point is that it's a very substantial lead.
0: Yay! Okay, so you'll tell me first if it's disputed and in and, and we're crazy. You'll tell me first, right? Uh,
1: he, well, between you and me, I don't think there's anything that I'll be able to find other than him being in prison at the time that she disappeared. To be able to dispute it and to I even,
0: dismiss it completely at this correct. Right.
1: And I even, I think I told you, I I told Michelle, I said, you know, I think this is a very substantial lead and depending on how things pan out, we may have to have a sit down with her and, you know, maybe even her mom and say, Hey, you know, do you think that this individual is responsible for Carrie's murder? Yes or no. So
0: they might have their own opinions. I mean, we know that they do have their own opinions, but correct. Both of them are, are highly intelligent women that can look at the whole story. So, yes. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. Please look into Corona Del Mar girl. I really want to do that story. I think I think that if, for the sheriff's point of view, having more people do their DNA in the event that they have a distant family member—I mean, no one wants to find out that their their beloved uncle is a serial killer—but we have so many cousins and re- cousins removed, and third and fourth and fifth cousins that we've never even heard of before that could lead to answers in some of these cases. And I feel Absolutely. like yes. it would only behoove the sheriff's department if they let us do a story where we can follow it from the cold case that it is through the genealogy and through the discovery of who the person is and maybe resolution. I think it would help them if, if we did that kind of case. Kane, you're going to say, say, you're going to ask, we can do it. If we can do it. Yes. I, it, I'm just going to, text you all the time and ask you if you asked yet. So you might have to <laughs> you ask now.
1: I'll just add it to the list.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for doing this with me. Absolutely. According to NamUs, an estimated 4,400 unidentified buddies are found annually. About a thousand of those remain John and Jane Doe's after a year. If you have a missing loved one or anyone you know has a missing loved one and recognize any of the stories that we've told here today, Or on the Orange County Sheriff's website. Please reach out to Bob Taft at the Orange County Sheriff's Department at 714 647 7055, or you can email coldcase at ocsheriff.gov. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites.
1: Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode,
0: links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.